In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, yesterday, Alex Farmer, who had been a priest in the Anglican Church serving in Gainesville, Florida, was installed, was consecrated, the second bishop of the Gulf Atlantic Diocese, our diocese, uh, in a service held at the cathedral in Tallahassee um, before Archbishop Foley Beach and probably at least a dozen other bishops. It was pretty amazing. Um, tons of priests and lay people. I mean, the procession was probably 50 yards long. Um, Gabe served as the deacon and gospeler, did a great job. Um, I saw a lot of people from the past. Taylor uh, saw his ordaining bishop, uh, Todd Hunter, who ordained him. Um, so it was a beautiful, beautiful service where God was glorified and the church was built up. During that service, uh, Alex pledged something very similar to what all the clergy pledge when they're ordained. He said, in, toward the beginning of that service, I do promise here in the presence of Almighty God and of the church that I will pay true and canonical obedience in all things lawful and honest to the Archbishop of the Anglican Church in North America and his successors, so help me God. And that's what we say too. We say to the bishop uh, of the Gulf Atlantic Diocese or something. But I want to talk about, because that's, this is the context of our weekend, that we have a new bishop. I want to talk about mainly from Hebrews, our reading from Hebrews, kind of the gift and risk of leadership in the church the sobering, blessed, sacred reality of leading and following, instituted by God and by our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we are a, a church which, as it states in our prayer book, and we don't have, well, we don't even have book racks in our pews, but we don't have prayer books either, so I can't have you turn there, but in our prayer book, in the preface to our ordinal, which is the services for ordination, um, it says this, from the apostles' time, these three orders of ministry have existed in Christ's church, bishops, priests, and deacons. Now, in, a, in another place, our church has taught that there are four orders of ministry in the church, the most fundamental one being all of us, the laity, right? Laity, which comes from the word, the, a Greek word that just means people, all the people. That's the first order of ministry. If you will, baptism is a kind of ordination service. It's a commissioning for ministry. So in all that I'm about to say in a few minutes... Uh, which is somewhat precarious for a leader to say, because I'm going to say obey and submit, for example. Brace yourself. Um, 
we all are commissioned and we all make a pledge in baptism to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, to serve and glorify God, to serve and be a part of the healing of the world. In the canons of our church, the canons, so canon, that word C-O-N, C-A-N-O-N, canon. Um, there's two meanings for that in the church. I'm a canon. I serve the bishop in a particular way in the diocese. Uh, but a canon is also like the canons of the church are sort of the rules or the laws or the, the guidelines that we pledge that the clergy pledge, again, obedience to. Uh, in those, there's a section called of the laity. And here's part of what it says. There's actually a list of 10 duties of the laity, uh, which we see that in the newcomers class, but I'm not going to read all those today. But let, let me read a few sentences from the canons concerning the ministry of the laity. Again, this is all like to set the table before we talk about the blessing and risks of leading and following. Quote, the people of God are the chief agents of the mission of the church. The people, you can memorize that if you want. The people of God are the chief agents of the mission of of the church to extend the kingdom of God by so presenting Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit that people everywhere will come to put their trust in God through him, capital H, know him as savior and serve him as Lord in the fellowship of the church. Last sentence, the effective ministry of the church is the responsibility of the laity no less than it is the responsibility of bishops and other clergy. And all of God's people said, amen. many of God's people said, <laughs> amen. <laughs> so as we look at Hebrews 13, and I wish you all had a Bible, so I will not be offended if you pull your phone out and find Hebrews 13. Um, I will be referring to the orders of the church just very, very minimal, minimally, like ordained people. We call that they've entered sacred orders, which means that we are under orders, right? That, that's what it means to be a clergy person. Um, but it's also for the order of the church. That is for it to be healthy, for it to be fruitful, for it to be effective. This is God's economy. That word economy, sideline, comes from it, it's a Greek word, oikonomia, from the word house and from the word law. So economy is like, this is the law of the house. This is how the house flourishes. And it's God's idea. 
You know, not Robert's, not Neil and Alex's. Neil's our was our bishop two days ago. And again, um, I want to be clear, this is somewhat awkward um, to speak to this. Um, and I want also to be clear that ordained people are also followers. I mean, I just read what Bishop Alex pledged. We are followers of human leaders, and of course, like most of you, we are followers of the leader, Jesus Christ. And as we begin to look at, uh, we're going to kick off with verse 7, uh, the second to last verse that Kelly read for us. Um, I, I want to plant a seed for you to be mulling over over the next few minutes, which is why did the writer to the Hebrews, right after saying, remember your leaders, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith, why would the writer then immediately say, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever? I think, it's, I think it's significant. So we heard in the reading to Hebrews uh, a whole number of sort of ethical imperatives, um, directives, all flowing out of, I would argue, the very first one, which is basically let sibling love continue. Let mutual love of sister and brother abide, remain, continue. That arguably, is the overriding call. And then there's all these important uh, directives, behavioral, ethical directions that the writer to the Hebrews, this word of God, gives us. I would love to unpack every single one. They're all very important. You know, including the word about marriage. Uh, but... Our context is we have a new bishop. And so I'm going to jump all the way to verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So a lot of those words in there are in the Greek imperatives. Do you know what an imperative is? with another word for an imperative, command, right? Not, you know, anyway, yeah, you know what that is. So in this verse, it's remember, consider, and imitate. Whew. So there, the, word, the phrase, your leaders, is actually in two other places in Hebrews 13, as the writer is bringing this book to a close. So the next one is down in verse 17. I know it's not in our reading, but it connects and applies. And so we read, obey your leaders, again, imperative, and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. 
as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And then there's one other place down like second to last verse where we're told, greet all your leaders and all the saints. And I'm going to throw one more in there. It doesn't actually say leaders, but in verse 18, the writer says, pray for us. I'm assuming the writer's a leader or this letter wouldn't have gotten any traction, right? So pray for your leaders, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. So wow, there's a lot there. And again, I want to be very reverent and gentle and, and basically say, you know, you heard, leaders will give an account for your souls. And we will all give an account. Every single one of us will give an account for our lives. Just because you're saved does not mean you do not give an account. We will say in a few minutes, he will come again to judge who? The living and the dead. We will all give an account. And part of that giving account is like our attitude and posture toward those God put in our life to help us follow Jesus. So that's, you know, that's a very nuanced thing. Because there are times when being a follower means you don't follow. Where you may confront a leader. Well, we'll we'll get into some of the reasons for that um, in a second. Um, One or two other things before we just kind of quickly look at what this person is saying to us. And then then wrap up, because my time's almost done already. One of the commitments that we ask people to make, for example, when they join Church of the Apostles, in fact, I sent this document to someone sitting over here just this past week who asked to see it. Um, One of, we have something called a membership covenant, which just outlines a number of biblical things and, you know, reaffirms the fact that, you know, you you believe God's called you to be a part of this fellowship. One of about quite a few commitments is I will protect the unity of the church by following the leaders. And then we have Hebrews 13, 7 there. One last thing. In these verses where it says your leaders, um, the word leaders is not a noun. It's a participle. Now, Participle is like a form of a verb. Um, Why do I bring that up? Uh, The the translation is fine, leaders. But I want to nuance this one point. He is not talking about people that just have a title. 
He's not talking about people that have been installed in a place of power, who've been given the highest seat at the feast. He's talking about people that are walking out a life worthy of being emulated, who are leading. I mean, literally, it could be, remember those who are leading, who are doing it. Okay. I remember John Maxwell, who was a pastor in another, I can't remember what tradition he was in, written a ton of books on leadership. I remember him quoting at one time, there's this old proverb, he that thinketh he leadeth, but hath no followers, is only taking a walk. (laughs) And his point was, secondly, he often said, leadership is influence. And of course, he meant influence in the most positive, beautiful, best way. Okay. So, Hebrews 13. Let me just list responsibilities of leaders and responsibilities of the saints. Leaders, speak to you the word of God. If we stop speaking to you the word of God, you need to remind us. If we just decide to come up here and read poems and sing like pop top 40 songs, leaders speak to you the word of God. Leaders live a life worthy of consideration. I mean, that's the imperative. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Think about it. Ponder it. Give some attention to the leaders God has put in your life, the spiritual leaders. This is not about political stuff. That's a whole other sermon and and discussion. Um, And they are to live a life worthy of, a life of faith, faith worthy of imitation. They, we, leaders watch over the souls of the saints. Yikes. For which leaders will give an account. And I'll tell you, in the ordination of a priest, look it up in the prayer book, it's a complete fear of God about this. Leaders are to do so with joy and not with groaning. Mia culpa. I repent of the times I've groaned for watching over the souls of some saints. Responsibilities of leaders. Responsibilities of the saints, which includes the leaders. (laughs) Remember their leaders. Remember. Does that mean they've died? Maybe. Does it mean they've left and gone to another city? Maybe. 
Does it mean when you're just not with them in church? Maybe. But it does mean recall, again, sort of like the consider. I mean, specifically, this relates to Neil Labar, our bishop of two days ago, but of not now. Remember, consider the outcome of Bishop Neil's way of life and imitate his faith, which is worthy, I will say, having worked closely with him for seven years. It's worthy of imitation. Consider the outcome of their way of life, imitate their faith, obey your leaders and submit to them. Pray for them. Greet them. Advantage. Advantages. There's an advantage to have people watching over you. There's an advantage to have people speak the word of God to us. There's an advantage to have people who are an example and an encouragement to follow. And there's risk. There is risk. There's risk for the leader and there's risk for the follower. Right? You heard it. Leaders can lead in harmful ways or unadvantageous ways, but another way to translate that would be harmful. If leaders lead with groaning is one example. Of course, there's many even worse examples. It's harmful. And honestly, this is one reason why it's important to commit to a church. This is not an advertisement for, you know, necessarily joining our church. But it is a reason, considering and applying the Word of God, to make a commitment to a church and its leadership. And not out there floating on your own as a free agent. With no one watching over your soul. And no one... I I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there, I think. I'd love to hear from you what you think about that. It helps us to know whose souls we're actually responsible to watch over. Let me put it that way. Right? Does that make sense? Okay. So back to the author. Um, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why might that be placed right there after his initial word about leading and following. The the whole book of Hebrews is about who? Jesus. It's about how great Jesus is, how he's greater than the angels, greater than Moses, greater than any priest, greater than the high priest, greater than any sacrifice that was ever made, greater than any covenant that was ever made. Jesus. It's about Jesus. Right? And in the previous chapter, we heard him say, like, he's the pioneer. He's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Right? He's the one who took the lowest place, despised the shame of the cross for us and our salvation. It's about 
Jesus. Remember that. Yes, in God's economy, he gives leaders, always has. But it's about Jesus. Secondly, Jesus himself, right? Called, authorized, trained, commissioned, and sent apostles, leaders who did the same. And lastly, again, kind of the first point, but in a new way, the role of ordained leaders, the role of any leader who's a Christian in your family, in whatever other way in the church. And in fact, you know what? The role of every Christian is to point to Jesus, is that their life would display Jesus Christ, that people would love Jesus more. That's what we mean when we say, hallowed be your name. May people see my life and love, bless, and adore, and hallow you more today because they encountered me. In a few minutes, we will pray for the first time as a church for Alex, our bishop. Let's indeed especially do that. And on this weekend... May we be reminded to remember our leaders and consider, imitate, obey. Let me just say, Alex was vetted in a way none of us want to be vetted in this room. I mean, every nook and cranny of his life over the last 50-something years was considered. And Gabe and a group of people who led the search felt his life's worthy of emulating and imitating. So, God help us in all that. Let me close with a prayer from Hebrews 13, just right near the end of the book, a few verses later than what we've been considering as I close. Let us pray. May the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, who is the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip us with everything good that we may do his will, working in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 Amen.